Medical information obtained from our website or on the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If you have, or you suspect you might, have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of the sports doctor, this radio show, or their sponsors. Hey everybody, live from Chicago, welcome, it's the Sports Doctor, I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist, all things sports, medicine, fitness, and wellness, brought to you by Global Schoolwear, school uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger, Lower Extremity Review, LER and MVP Parent Magazines, UK Health Radio, again everybody, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Mental Health, Physical Therapy. I, I hope I didn't leave anybody out. We've got a great doubleheader today, Dr. Amir Hadani. He's the chief medical officer. He's a neurosurgeon. He's the head of research at Aviv Health Clinics. He returns along with Jessica Beal-Stahl. She's a clinical sports pharmacist and an Olympic weightlifter. Then with some Bob Guida wisdom, the sports doctor's in. Let's welcome back Dr. Amir Hadani. Welcome back to the sports doctor. Hi. Thank you for having me once again. Give us some background on yourself um, and the uh, health and brain health clinics. Sure. Um, so, like I said, I trained as a neurosurgeon and I did um, my specialization in functional neurosurgery and hyperbaric medicine. I've been doing research in hyperbaric medicine since 2008, focusing on neurological indication and neurorehabilitation. And one of the biggest things for me was traumatic brain injury. And after doing several randomized controlled trials, we've established Aviv and deploying all of our randomized controlled trials protocols in those clinics worldwide. And one of them is Aviv Clinics here in Central Florida. You know, the challenge of uh, the whole brain health world, whether we're talking the big time uh, uh, concerns in the sports world, the concussions, the youth sports world, or the whole traumatic brain injury world, and that whole side, uh, the uh, ability of coming up with more and more protocols uh, based on all the research uh, regarding, again, recovery and uh, the ability, recognition, awareness. Uh, you know, may 20 years ago, sports, I didn't know how to spell the word concussions. Uh, maybe, <laughs> whether it had one S or two. Uh, so we've come a, a long, long uh, way. And the, um, you know, in, in podiatry and wound care over the decades, we would see hyperbaric oxygen as one of the weapons in uh, all sorts of um, health areas. Uh, and I guess it's exciting in the world of, again, the, of neurology and the post-concussion, post-injury. Definitely. And I think you touched the, the exact point. Uh, I think, first of all, awareness of traumatic brain injury and post-concussion syndrome and post-concussion symptoms are now much better than it used to be even 10 years ago. And the other point that you raised is exactly right. What we did in our research since 2008 is finding out that wound care and what we know about wound healing such as a diabetic foot for podiatrists uh, that we have helped so much and we still do with hyperbaric medicine, we can apply to neurological indications and specifically for traumatic brain injury. In other words, we're looking at a traumatic brain injury as a brain wound just as we look on a wound on the leg. And yeah, as well as again, the... Yeah, the the natural methods, and there are many, of enhancing healing, shortening recovery, are a real big deal. Uh, today, with all the science, a doctor still can't tell a parent or an athlete exactly when they think, how long it might take, et cetera. Uh, but there's been tremendous uh, advancement, like you were saying, in, in so many different areas. Uh, and the idea that there could be a difference made uh, in the uh, awareness. Uh, how many years ago it seems when on the sidelines they say, how many fingers do you see? Okay, good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get back out there. Uh, and and yeah. the idea of um, 
again, with coaches and parents and families being aware that there are uh, many different ways uh, to identify and or get into the right mode for um, uh, treatment. I mean, it all falls under the whole mental health umbrella, which is gigantic, isn't it? Definitely. I think uh, we are still evolving in the whole um, part of assessment and diagnosis. Uh, you know, there are different technologies that now tell us much better who suffers from a concussion and who doesn't. Uh, I think that's a major thing that we're experiencing these years. The different imaging, different um, electrophysiological testing, different cognitive testing. So much has evolved that can give much better sense than those two fingers or questionnaires that we used to do 20 years ago. Yeah, the uh, ability, you know, maybe Michael Jackson was way ahead of his time when he used to sleep in his hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber uh, in order to, uh, what he thought at the time, maybe he could could, uh, uh, live forever. Uh, But the idea of this technology on other parts of the body, you know, you talked about the, uh, from, from the feet and wounds, neurologically, you know, uh, areas of the brain. And how about the, the uh, whole world of um, chronic illness and or injury, uh, other medical conditions? Um, is there also some uh, value indications for the hyperbaric technologies? So any, basically, you, you, we have to understand the concepts here. We're talking about chronic hypoxia or chronic low level of oxygen, meaning we have different organs that may suffer from this low level of oxygen from different illnesses. And if those concepts apply, then the new protocols of hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help it, can rehabilitate it. Um, There are different ways to understand this, but again, when you have low level of oxygen chronically, whether it's the brain, whether it's a muscle, whether it's another internal organ, if it suffers from that chronically, hyperbaric medicine can basically regenerate it and regain the function and metabolism of that organ. You know, it's interesting. Is is uh, one of my frequent guests. Hillary Loftus, who's the, one of the educational directors of the Howe Foundation, Help Our Wounded, again, the whole TBI world, but now also they're very involved, again, in the sports, uh, adolescent sports medicine world, in the world of, of concussions, and again, or sports concussions, and uh, uh, the, how is the availability uh, of, of, of hyperbaric treatment uh, regarding the concussion world? Um, is it growing in availability it, 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 and the, uh, that the, enough hospitals and clinics include it? Uh, I don't luck. think so. I think um, neurological indications in general uh, being treated with hyperbaric medicine is not that, uh, you know, available in the, in the States and even in the world. Um, but we're growing. We're definitely growing and trying to spread the word with better science and better uh, clinical trials out there in the media. But currently, I don't think um, it's reaching out. Now, a really important thing for me to, to mention when we're talking about concussions, really, really important to, to know that when we talk about acute concussions like that happen exactly on the field, usually we don't treat it the same day. Um, we know that most cases, and we're talking about 80-90% of concussions, will eventually uh, be okay uh, within the first week uh, after the concussion. So usually we don't intervene on that first week. We don't have um, something that, that tells us, yes, we must treat that very first week, since the natural history yeah. of most concussions is Pretty good on the first week. Yeah, so the, the, the first week's got a lot to do with observation, again, awareness, paying attention. Again, the, the necessity of whether it's the athletic trainer, the coach, and the sports parent being educated for what to look for, uh, you know, and, and when to, to, to make a decision that, you know, we've got to follow up with this. For sure, for sure. So definitely that's uh, we need to do a better job of educating the coaches and the parents 
Um, and, you know, even the teachers of everybody's involved with, uh, with kids or teenagers um, to definitely look for different signs, whether it's emotional changes, whether it's, uh, you know, grades deteriorating, whether it's different symptoms like headaches, dizziness, or nausea. Um, a lot of different signs that we can teach all, the, all these people to look for them, especially in that very first week and after that week, to look for better help and assistance in actually helping the, the child. You know, also, you know, the whole brain health world, again, has uh, really become, uh, uh, with a lot of excitement, and, you know, the idea of a prevention, prevention, slowing down dementia, making a difference, again, in all sports performance, the whole, I call it the mental game on the sports doctor, again, whether you're the best athlete in the world or their parents or their coach or the kid themselves, and the idea of being able to have uh, all sorts of education going on. Um, and Aviv, tell us a little bit about, you know, that they're very much into that, all that education side of the whole brain health world, aren't you? Yeah, I just want, also touching on the previous point, I just wanted to mention we did a study to see how much we don't know about our, our, our youngsters, and we found out that 25%, one in every kid that suffered of concussion, if you evaluate them several weeks to several months after that concussion, will have issues. So 25%, that's a huge number, right? Yes, it is. So... That's, well, that's a big part of the awareness. That's a big part of the awareness that we're both talking about here is, again, yeah. understanding. Uh, I've had many psychologists on the show in all sorts of areas and age groups talking about, again, whether they're in the football world or the contact sport world, what a big deal this is uh, and the effect on some of these um, adolescents, let alone, you know, as we even getting into the professional world uh, with, um, uh, some of these incidences where it's always uh, uh, in the news. And I guess that's, again, the, the awareness and the education side um, and the research side. That's a nice triad you got going there, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, and, and touching about Aviv, that's exactly what we're doing here. So, we what's their website? The that... what's, their, what's their website? People can find out more information. Oh, sure. So it's uh, www.aviv-clinics.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it, anyone who's coming here, uh, we first start with assessments. And I think that's the key thing in any rehabilitation, but definitely neurorehabilitation. We have to assess what we're looking for, what we're dealing with, whether it's uh, cognitive evaluation, physical evaluation, uh, blood-related uh, tests, and, of course, brain imaging. And there are different different types of imaging that we're doing, both the MRI scans with both anatomical and functional testing, as well as a SPECT scan that also gives us a lot of knowledge about the metabolism of the brain and what we're dealing with. Because a lot of these concussions, we find out that if you do a regular scan, like an anatomical scan, you won't find anything. But if you're doing a functional test, such as a spec scan, you will find the areas in the brain that are dysfunctional with low metabolism, and those are the exact regions that you want to heal. Yes, you know, this is, again, you know, once the parents or the coaches have established it for those first couple of weeks, you know, or even a longer period of time, you know, Jesus, his appetite is different, he's not sleeping, he's, his, whole, his whole moods have changed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the... Um, uh, then getting into this deep evaluation stage, and then recommendations, uh, right, regarding when, some, when is it safe to return to activity, uh, the role of nutrition, uh, how much rest and recovery, all these things are a big part of um, coming back. So, you know, one in, again, you know, 25%, uh, like you talked about, of these concussion incidences, maybe in some of these uh, high school, college kids, even younger ages, end up, uh, with some sort of uh, concern later on. Uh, so there's a lot more attention that needs to be paid to all of this, um, which is one of the reasons we're talking with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it all, like, like exactly like you said, it starts with this awareness, then you want it diagnosed, 
and then you want to treat it. And uh, unfortunately, the treatment of concussion-related symptoms is when you go to a classic um, physician um, or the wild hospital west. or clinic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The wild west. Yes, it is. So it's, that's yeah, what. It's, it's, that's, go ahead. Yeah, so that that that's why we established here in Central Florida the Aviv Clinic because we we definitely that's what we're looking for. We want to assess, we want to diagnose, and then we want to personalize the treatment using hyperbaric oxygen therapy to actually heal from those symptoms because literally uh, the evidence behind other therapies is not there. And how you you know again the the football players in the sports contact world. Uh, uh, et cetera, has got to be very, very interested, I would imagine, in everything you're doing. Definitely. Definitely. I think uh, we're, we're in touch with uh, a couple of um, people in, in the NFL and other uh, football uh, societies. Um, yeah, share the do more research with, with them. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the time would fly by. Give me quickly again, Dr. Hattie, give me quickly the website. Sure, it's www.aviv-clinics.com. Great, Dr. Amir Madani, neurosurgeon, chief medical officer at the clinics. Thank you so much for joining me. And hold on, Amir. We'll be right back, everybody. Sports Doc. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Bob Weil, a sports doctor. I'm excited to announce the release of my new book, co-written with Sharky Zartman, Hashtag Hey Sports Parents, an essential guide for any parent with a child in sports. You know, Sharky is a former Hall of Fame volleyball player. She's the mom of two daughters who became Division I volleyball players. Together we have over 70 years of combined youth sports experience. Goal of the book? Give you the essential tools and guidance to make your experience as a sports parent the best it could be. Hashtag Hey Sports Parents is divided into four sections. The first section, Sports Parenting 101. Sharky talks everything about uh, parenting, about coaching, that whole uh, interaction between parents and coaches, coaching your own kid. Uh, What are the things to really pay attention to? The second section is the Sports Doctors In, yours truly. Uh, my discussion of injury prevention and treatment, choosing the best shoes, youth sports and drugs, essential exercises, the dilemma of youth football, orthotics. Third section, uh, experts speak out. We bring together eight different experts in nutrition and sports performance and mental training in all aspects of coaching in that section. The last section is the parent's perspective, some insights from about a half a dozen parents of athletes. So everyone, hey, get out your megaphone, spread the word. Now available on Amazon. Order now. You'll be more confident. So will your young athletes. Hashtag, hey, sports parents. everybody, Dr. Bob here. LER, Lower Extremity Review Magazine, is celebrating their 10th anniversary. It's been a decade of providing key uh, clinical and practical information about concerns, conditions, and treatment solutions for the lower extremity, both sports and non-sports alike. LER is the only multidisciplinary publication for doctors of all specialties, educators, therapists, and trainers. They inform practitioners on current developments in the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of lower extremity injuries. LER prides itself on editorial integrity and evidence-based content. Their tagline, collaborative care for better outcomes, says it all. Hey, colleagues, go to lermagazine.com. Hey, everybody. MVP Parent Magazine is special. Evidence-based topics on all areas of youth sports. Rich Dubin, a sports dad himself, takes his three decades of publishing. He just celebrated the 12th anniversary of the acclaimed LER, Lower Extremity Review magazine, one of sports doctors' key supporters, and he pours it into MVP Parent. 
factual evidence-based info on such key topics like physical and mental training, nutrition, injury awareness, treatment, recovery, and prevention, I am proud to be a contributor to MVP Parent with the Sports Doctor is In article in each issue. Go to MVPParent.com. MVPParent.com. Hey, everybody, we are back live from Chicago. It's the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist. We want to welcome Jessica Beal Stahl. She's a clinical sports pharmacist, Olympic weightlifter, who's a D1 volleyball player. And heck, we know it's the, the sports doctor's experience with the Olympic teams in volleyball. Jessica, welcome to the Sports Doctor. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Give us some background. You know, it's interesting. Your title, topic, in all the decades I've done the sports doctor, I hadn't heard the term sports pharmacist. So you're my first, you're my first sports pharmacist. Give us some background on yourself and uh, uh, sports pharmacy. You got it. So I feel super honored to be your first sports pharmacist. It's actually a new field in pharmacy kind of growing in the U.S. It's pretty popular internationally. But um, being, as like you said, I, I was a collegiate athlete and a current Olympic weightlifter. I compete nationally, internationally. I really got into like how the body worked and supplements and everything and uh, a little bit also into the drug testing area because I am a drug tested athlete and helping other athletes understand the safety of supplements and medications and how it could impact performance. And I kind of just happened into the field. Um, started consulting with athletes and teams on nutrition, over-the-counter medications, how different things could impact how you feel, how you perform, everything like that. And um, until and then I kind of one day Google searched something about sports and pharmacy and found out there's actually sports pharmacists in other countries and that it was a very niche little area in the U.S., but it is in the last year pretty well started taking off and have some new groups out, um, sports pharmacy groups forming out there. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Yes, it's always been a big deal. We've been talking on the Sports Doctor for decades and decades about, uh, I have a chapter in my book called uh, 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 Kids in Sports and Drugs, uh, uh-huh. the, the that whole nightmare history of uh, pain medicines, uh, the history of enhancing sports-enhancing drugs, which I yeah. relabeled about 15 years ago. I called it... Uh, uh, a recovery enhancing uh, <laughs> drugs. Uh, I love that. The, there's always been the feedback of pharmacy, including big farm in sports medicine in all areas. And the fact, and uh, of course there's been uh, the relationship of pharmacists in that world forever. But the mm-hmm. fact that there'd be a specific area where you would be paying attention to the relationship of all yeah. these, whether it's over the counter, whether it is uh, hydration products, whether it's all sorts of nutritional side and supplements, let alone that gigantic yeah. area, having the pharmacist be involved sports-wise in that uh, makes so much so much sense. I was like, most people don't think about the background, like all the schooling we go through in pharmacy school is literally just how the body works and how these reactions work. And the same thing happens with athletes. So how can we optimize that? Or are you depleted because you're not getting enough nutrition? Are you overtraining or undersleeping and all this stuff? And like pharmacy school just kind of prepares you to work in that little focused area of how things are, how things are impacting the body on like a chemical level or receptor level. Yes. Well, let alone, again, playing uh, uh, serious sports. <laughs> again, I, the, the, uh, we were involved with the Olympic uh, women's volleyball teams in the late 70s with the late, great Bob Guida, who was the yeah. strength and conditioning coach all those years. And as a sports podiatrist, again, if you're an Olympic weightlifter, I hope you got orthotics in your shoes, young lady. I do. Uh, I do. I, go, I've man. been with for, those my whole life. <laughs> for stability, for enhancing stability and balance. Uh, yep. especially in something, the uh, 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 Olympic weightlifting, what events are you in? So I do snatch and clean and jerk. Those are the only two um, yes. meets that are the only two lifts you can test. And so I do masters, which is over 35, and I compete 
both within the U.S. and and internationally. You know, we work with some of the best women athletes in all sports that would come <laughs> see Guida and Sports Fitness Institute. And Bob Guida, who was a Mr. America, Mr. Universe, also was an Olympic weightlifter. And he yeah. said of all the sporting events, one of the most athletic was the snatch. Uh, yeah. That required the, the, the optimum athleticism in, uh, in so many different areas. And that was something that sometimes shocked a lot of people until they really paid attention to what's required in order to it do is. that, uh, uh, you know, a, a particular event, uh, you know, but again, that whole world of um, over the counter, you know, the United States is one of only two countries in the world that allows TV advertising ad nauseum of medicine <laughs> nauseum, and yes. prescription <laughs> medicine and this whole relationship and the idea that um, we've tried to do it on the sports doctor over the decades, which is I have mixed Eastern and Western medicine and holistic medicine for years. They used to call it alternative medicine, but somehow we got them to change it to complementary. <laughs> so that there was a cooperation. And, you know, pharmacy has been in the middle of all of it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, when it came to the necessity of uh, what are, what's the safest way to take, whether it's prescription medicine and or the whole world of over-the-counter and, uh, you know, the, the ups and downs, um, uh, let alone of performing or even, you know, adolescence and, and youth sports. I can't tell you how many kids we see who are 12, 13, 14, whatever their sport is, who are, if they don't have two Advil once, twice a day, they, they, oh. they're hurting. And they assume yes, that I, that's okay. And they assume, and they have no idea that they're not supposed to be hurting or that to have Advil okay is an okay thing. I'm like just thinking of like, what are you doing to your stomach? And what are you doing to your gut? And what are you doing to the microbiome? And all types of things. And just the overuse. There's so many things when I go to talk to a lot of work I do is with high school athletes. And so I'm going there and they're taking supplements and not knowing why they're taking them or how even if they're taking the right doses or at the right timing. And so a lot of work is talking to kids about like, why are you taking them? And are, if you can answer the why with not, I need more sleep or I need to eat better, then there may be a better discussion, but really looking at foundations for these youth athletes that I feel like people look at supplements and not at the foundation. Well, yes. The, the, the reason Jessica, that I co-authored the book, hashtag, Hey, sports parents, Besides, it's great cartoons with my uh, co-author. Matter of fact, a, uh, a Hall of Fame volleyball player uh, and beach volleyball player and coach, Sharky's Artman. The reason yeah. we, we, we did the book was the epidemic, in capital letters, everybody, the epidemic of youth sports overuse injuries, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And again, therefore, the reliance. One of the reasons I was very excited about the CBD world that side of it is there anything that was natural that could be helpful that wasn't a drug was of interest uh, yeah. when it came to the necessity, again, of the uh, uh, half these kids don't think Advil or ibuprofen is even a medicine. They just no, they don't. Uh, they just think, hey, you know, the, that they go ahead and, uh, and live on it. So there's a tremendous amount of education which is why I think the label sports pharmacist now really allows you to get into this whole area uh, regarding uh, the education of uh, parents and coaches, as well as the kids with everything from hydration and sports drinks to again, the idea of, um, uh, you know, over the counter pain medicine is a big weapon, but we've got to be understanding what we're dealing with. And we uh, uh, not, not, um, uh, living on it. Everybody, it's a sports doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Weil. If you go to my website, sportsdoctorradio.com, if you go over to radio shows, you can go back years, different topics, all sorts of different guests, listen to whatever you would like, uh, newspaper articles and magazines. We have thousands and thousands of followers, lots of education um, uh, at X, at, at Sports Doc, DOC Radio. We're talking sports pharmacy with uh, Jessica uh, Beal Stahl and the uh, how have you found so far the feedback from the coaches and teachers uh, that you've been dealing with um, 
uh, uh, gosh, you know, Olympic weightlifting, performance enhancing drugs goes back as far as all of that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, when oh, yeah. with the Olympics and, and so uh, good luck to you, that's gotta be a, uh, uh, still a gigantic challenge. It was always, uh, that's why I, I, I relabeled performance enhancing drugs as performance surviving. When we would <laughs> see that, uh, a lot of athletes, yes, they were cheating. But many of yeah. them were taking these because they were always injured, hurting. Yeah, they weren't recovering. Recover. Under recovery. Right. You know, can't you get me better yesterday, Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> if I could make more hours in the day and you could sleep more, yes. <laughs> do you have a website people can go to find out more information about you and what you do? I do. It's called thesportspharmacist.com. And I do a lot of, I do one-on-one work. I do a lot of education, a lot of um, public speaking events um, for teams or athletes or organizations um, on, again, like you were talking about, supplements, performance-enhancing drugs, what are they, what's going on. And I find that a lot of people just don't know and don't realize the risk of, you know, a lot of the stuff sold on the Internet and that the stuff on social media even though it's promoted by someone super big, that it may not be safe and it may be risky. And so I feel like once you kind of get out there and start educating people on it, it kind of opens their eyes of like, oh, okay. So Advil every day isn't okay. (laughs) isn't the best thing to be doing. Well, these are the three word areas that we've been paying attention to for eons on the sports doctor. Awareness of whatever we're dealing with, whether it's a problem or whether it's an idea. Awareness, education, and then some positive action. Again, the idea of uh, the fact that there is a huge problem with overuse injuries with youth drugs or yep. youth sports. Uh, you know, you grew up uh, playing. Did you? Where did you play volleyball? So I played volleyball in North Carolina. Oh, the Tar Heels! Yeah. I went to Louisville. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a multi-sport athlete. I was not the uh, single sport athlete. So I. I'm a full proponent of the generalist athlete yes. play as many sports and play for fun and Good luck not you. structured. Yes, I, yes, I'm one of know, those. They, yes. And every, every coach, therapist, and doctor recommends what you just said. We want you to play a lot of sports. We want you to get and use a lot of areas of your body. But I do have a chapter in the book that's called the prodigy sports. <laughs> Think figure skating and gymnastics is two examples. But volleyball is yeah. one of them. You know, I worked with sports performance volleyball for 100 years. We were kids 12, 13, 14, 10 days of the week. This is all they were doing. So we have that area also with tremendous specialty. So I'm glad you're a great example of of the sports you played. We're going to talk more about it. We're talking with Jessica Bielstahl. We're talking sports pharmacy. It is the sports doctor. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Dr. Bob. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger is setting a new standard within the school uniform market. More schools are understanding the value that uniforms provide, school pride and identification being one of them. Another is a well-recognized reduction of student pressure to keep up with classmates in the real world of what to wear each day to school. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger provides amazing quality and value to its partner schools and families. It is truly the first brand in this market that students are excited about wearing. Go to the website, globalschoolwear.com. Globalschoolwear.com. Hey, everybody, we're back. It's the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist. We're talking sports pharmacy uh, with Jessica Peel, Beal-Stahl. Uh, and uh, so you are, you are still, you're in the division of uh, weightlifting. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I do good. So I compete in the Masters, which is for over 35. Um, I actually competed in the World Championships last December and got third place. And this past um, summer competed in the Pan American Games and caught, got second division? place in my weight class. What weight, what weight division are you in? 
I, I can say this, and I'm not upset. I compete in the 81-kilo weight class. Okay. How many and pounds? So, you and um, it's about, I, about 170. Okay. What are, your, um, what are the weights you've done in the clean and jerk and the snatch? Okay. So my best snatch ever is 92 kilos, so that's about uh, 205 pounds. Wow. And my best clean and jerk ever is 109, so that's about a hundred, uh, 245 pounds. Wow. That's, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's really fantastic. <laughs> uh, and the um, uh, again, you're probably paying attention to all of these areas exactly that we're, we're talking about uh, uh, when we're talking about. Now, the, it's interesting. Over the years, I'm going to date myself, of course, the Olympic weightlifting, weightlifting had three categories. There was the press. What ha- yes. how long has the press how long has the press been gone from weight uh, as far as long as i I have been competing for the last eight years, it was never even mentioned, so it right. must have been out and I didn't lift much weight in college um because I've always just been gifted lucky with some muscle, so I've never really i'd never heard of the press ever being contested <laughs> you know it's interesting because weightlifting, which females. Uh, for decades, forever, would duck because they were worried they were going to be overdeveloped and big muscles, which, of course, maybe if you train six days a week for 10 years, you could develop that. But the whole idea, the whole idea of weight training and all sports has exploded over the past few decades. And again, there's the necessity, you know, strength and conditioning coaches didn't exist, you know, that uh, many years ago. And there's so much overkill going on. Uh, when it comes to scheduling, overtraining, pushing the yeah. envelope, you know this, the uh, 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 situation with that, and probably in the sports that you played where, you know, if you're a volleyball player, what are we doing running stairs and jumping rope when you're jumping 500 times a week <laughs> in volleyball? That used to be by my, one of my biggest complaints with some of the training uh, uh, that uh, uh, you guys would do. What other sports did you play growing up? So I was a volleyball, soccer, and softball player. Okay, that's quite a combination. Yep, um, quite a combination. So all team sports and Olympic weightlifting kind of fell in my lap after I graduated pharmacy school. So, yeah. And wh- but where, I, do you, uh, where do you see the where do you see the pharmacy schools? And you talked about because it's interesting. I've had international pharmacists on forever. And it's true in so many ways, maybe it's sort of like the difference between what we would call physical therapists and in Europe around the world, they're physios, physiotherapists. And it was almost, you know, that kind of a little bit different role. Like you talked about internationally, sports pharmacy, maybe as a um, area uh, of being ahead of what we were doing in the United States. Oh, yeah. So they are really big in like Japan and Australia. Um, are two of the countries that have a lot of sports pharmacists. And I believe Japan, almost every team has a sports pharmacist associated with it to help be part of the interdisciplinary team supporting the athletes. And their internationally, sports pharmacy is really big into the anti-doping and clean sports. So making sure your Australia is really big in like supplement recommendations and making sure they don't have any athletes that test positive. So they have sports pharmacists there supporting, you know, which supplements are you taking? Are they third-party tested? Are they safe? Are they not banned? And so um, internationally, you're seeing that. Um, In the U.S., it's that plus um, the ability in the U.S. of pharmacists switching from a dispensing of a product to now being more clinical and offering clinical services and wellness services. You're seeing the U.S. sports pharmacists become more as a clinician, as a part of the team, so looking at labs and, um, like I said, medications and drug levels and everything like that and nutrition plans and helping more clinically um, within the U.S. Yes, and, of course, it's a part of the, uh, again, the the uh, group of experts that comprise uh, sports teams, uh, whether it's professional, even high-level teams, the high school, college where, again, you have the inclusion of nutrition. That was never in the group. You have the inclusion uh, of psychology. That was never in the group. You even had the inclusion of chiropractic and podiatry. That wasn't necessarily yeah. in the group. 
let alone, so I would have flunked the, uh, if, you, if you asked me if there was a <laughs> sports pharmacist uh, on some of these different teams, I probably would have, would have flunked that. Uh, that's why I find it so fascinating, that particular label. Um, that's yeah. what really, really caught my eye on LinkedIn uh, when you had, were uh, publishing something. And the, uh, it, so the inclusion of uh, integrating with the, with the team doctor, uh, yep. I, again, I would imagine the team doctors probably would give you the same answer, which is, oh, this sports pharmacy? Uh, yeah, right. they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I feel like a lot of when they find when you when they start finding out and able to talk to other physicians that have a sports pharmacist, they're like, oh wow, I never thought of this. It's not trying to take away services from anybody else. It's not trying to be a nutritionist or trying to be a PT or trying to be a physician. It's utilizing our knowledge and our specialty of the medications and the supplements and the body and trying to help optimize and support all the other oh, people yeah. when you got, when you, helping you, the you've got You've got high school and college. You're the kid in high school. He's 185 pounds. He's a senior. He's playing a defensive position. He's 250 as a junior or senior in college. And this mania and challenge of putting on weight, what's the best way to do it, what's yeah. safe, what about the drugs, all of this stuff. Uh, has been of concern where you have uh, not only is the kid 300 pounds in college, but he's got a 40-inch vertical leap and he runs the 100 in 12 seconds. <laughs> you know, so that whole high-performance uh, area, or like one of my colleagues, he contributed to the book, Robert Andrews is the head of um, mental training at the Institute of Sports in Houston with Simone Biles and whatever, his specialty now is the mental side of recovering from injury. Oh, so that whole world, again, yeah. when you have uh, uh, people who've had surgery, athletes who have been injured, they're on the recovery road, and boy, they need input from you, from, uh, from you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of supple, you know, a lot of ways to help, um, you know, pain management, looking at even, we dive into some athletes looking into genetic profiles, like how do you metabolize drugs? How does your body metabolize like vitamin B and clear like inflammation or all that? So it's looking, you know, diving down into the genetics as far on some athletes to get the most optimal human performance, I guess would be the best way to put it. Well, hey, we get into it too. It's the, the, uh, the flat-footed, hyperpronated young athlete got seat like his mother or father. 80% of the time. <laughs> Gee, Johnny's bow-legged just like his dad and granddad. No wonder his knees are killing him. So yeah, you know, no. definite big area of genetics in, yeah. in, you know, in some of these uh, areas, especially when you're dealing with elite athletes um, who are really looking for optimum performance, even in all these yeah. areas of recovery. I knew the time would fly by with <laughs> Jessica G. Beale. Jessica, give us the site again. People can find out about what you're doing. Okay, my website is the athletes with an s pharmacist.com. Athletespharmacist.com, Jessica Beal style, Olympic weightlifter. Good luck in the Thank future. You. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Us. Hold on. We'll be right back, everybody. The Sports Doctor. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things, make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk .co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good.
Hey, everybody, we are back with the Sports Doctor is in segment where we preview upcoming guests and topics. We answer a few emails and we absolutely add some Bob Guida wisdom. Again, everybody, uh, it is the continuation of breast cancer awareness, mental health, and uh, physical therapy month. I think I got them all right. Three key areas uh, that everybody has to really be paying attention to. Great guest coming up. Roy Kessel is the founder of uh, Sports Philanthropy, an uh, incredible area uh, in areas of education, giving back. Uh, we're looking forward to him joining us. And then Christine Blanchett from British Columbia. Uh, she's a, been a frequent guest. She's the host of Run With It as well as other TV productions out of British Columbia. I do the Sports Doctor is in segment once a month on her show. So we're excited to have her back the following week. Former NBA uh, star uh, Jan Van Breda uh, will be joining us. Uh, he's doing some different uh, motivational things in the world of business. Again, he played professional um, basketball. He has a tremendous insight in that whole world. What does it take to become a, a pro? And then, hey, one of our favorite athletic trainers, Jimmy Spinali. Uh, and uh, he'll be joining us with his new group, his performance group. Um, Jimmy and I worked together, gosh, for X amount of years screening some of these great volleyball players here in Illinois at Sports Performance Volleyball back in the day. Um, Bob Guida wisdom, you know, when, um, Guida made a big deal out of what the topic was peripheral heart action. It really was talking about the aerobic effect, even of something like weightlifting, that, uh, there was aerobic and anaerobic exercise. Aerobic was think of the runner, the jogger, uh, the swimmer, the bike rider, the body moving, you breathing aerobically, and anaerobic, you're doing maybe three sets of uh, weightlifting with some rest in between. And peripheral heart action was all about being able to get the benefits of aerobic, even anaerobically, if you kept moving. Imagine you're in the gym and you're doing an arm exercise and a leg exercise and going over to an ab exercise and you're walking over here and you're mixing it in with walking on the treadmill as well as moving from one exercise the other, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the great uh, bodybuilder, actor, whatever, was very interested in Bob's work uh, with uh, PHA. Uh, so again, a little bit of wisdom, big time. That's what circuit training is all about. Keep moving. And you could do strength exercise and get aerobic um, benefits. Some emails. Brad says, uh, what are some of the differences of over-the-counter and custom uh, orthotics? You know, Brad, it's a, a frequent question, especially since we see everything from certain shoes like Skechers with their podiatry-oriented art support or Dr. Scholl's um, uh, facilities where people can get something semi-custom to buying something over-the-counter. They're everywhere. Um and many times are helpful. Many times we might have somebody, even who they're waiting for their prescription orthotics, and we're having them uh, put some Superfeed or Dr. Scholl's devices in their shoes to get some individual support. However, prescription is prescription. I many times make the analogy with glasses uh, that uh, you can go to Walgreens to get readers, but those aren't bifocals, <laughs> you know, or prescription. Same thing, proper custom orthotics are made in evaluating uh, joint positioning, foot biomechanics, whether someone's got high arches, whether they're excessively flat-footed, whether they are very, very flexible, whether they're very rigid, uh, the ability of orthotics to keep the foot and ankle functioning around its optimum alignment, when done properly, is almost always helpful posturally. That's why many times I say on the sports doctor, that if you've got a chronic lower extremity problem, whether it's your back, whether it's your hips, whether it's your knees and or feet, ankles, it's very, very commonly foot related. 
commonly foot-related. This is why so many of our chiropractic, osteopathic colleagues include uh, orthotics when they're dealing with postural problems. Uh, Paula says, my 11-year-old daughter is a volleyball player. I'm interested in your perspective with those two basic exercise concepts. Bingo, Paula, absolutely. In the book, hashtag hey, sports parents, uh, in my um, chapter, Sports Doctors In, I talk about two essential exercise uh, things we want these kids to do. Whatever their sport, whatever their age, and whatever their level, we want them to, with all everything else they might be doing, want them to include strengthen your feet and ankles. Strengthen those ankles. Rubber bands are a great way to do it. And work balance. Work with stimulating balance strengthening with what I call instability training. Again, imagine you're standing on different parts of a mini trampoline. You're on one of these new pieces of equipment. We're so excited about the sand dune, which simulates being on the beach, sand resistance, standing on different tilt boards, working um, balance. So those are the two areas. Whether they do bench presses and squats or they're doing other things in training, great. We want them to include uh, strengthening uh, foot ankle. And um, uh, with the ankles are still the most commonly injured area in sports, and they can be problematic if repetitive. So we want to strengthen. You want your kid to be a step or two quicker. You want them to have better balance, stability, quickness, acceleration. Include these two exercises. Uh, Tim me asked me about the sand dune stepper, uh, and that's what I was just mentioning, Tim. Uh, the if you go to um, the uh, Instagram uh, sand dune stepper, you could see all sorts of examples from youngsters to rehabilitated uh, injured individuals to superstars uh, using the sand dune which simulates, again, using the, um, uh, being on the beach and having your toes gripping and have all the muscles of the feet themselves being incorporated, as well as the uh, imbalance that's created uh, uh, with the uh, rest of the body. I do mention that, again, in the book, Hashtag Hey Sports Parents, uh, that I co-author with uh, Volleyball Hall of Famer, kinesiology professor, and volleyball coach for years, Sharky Zartman, uh, where we talk about um, all areas of being a sports parent. It's interesting, our second guest, uh, the sports pharmacist, Jessica, talked about playing lots of different sports when she grew up, softball, soccer, uh, and, and volleyball. And we were talking about one of the chapters in the book, which I call the Prodigy Sports, where we do have very early specialization, whether we like it or not. We want, as doctors, as sports physicians, as trainers, whatever, we want to stress kids grow up and experience lots of different sports, whether it's physically to use different parts of the body, even mentally, different sports, different areas, but there is sometimes early specialization, uh, again, thinking gymnastics and figure skating, but even tennis and soccer are some examples, as well as volleyball. We are done, huh? Catch everybody next week. It's the Sports Doctor. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, BBS.